If you take away one thing from this podcast, it's like, I do not want you to just sit and lay on the couch or lay in bed all day. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 14 of the Building Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renke, and thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. I know you can be listening to anybody, anywhere, and the fact that you're here really means the world to me. And today, we're going to talk about low back pain, specifically when you have a back pain flare. So we're going to talk about acute low back pain. We're not talking about chronic low back pain. That's usually a different topic, but we're talking about what happens when you tweak your back today. And what we're going to try to do, I'm trying to give you an evidence-based approach, but obviously, everybody you talk to is going to have their own spin on things, right? Everyone thinks what they do is right and what you know they've had a good experience with, and so it's going to be a little different, but I'm kind of trying to use guideline driven and evidence-based care here to see how we treat low back pain flare-ups. And I've seen this with a lot of patients as a physician. I've seen lots and lots of examples of low back pain. And so this is kind of from my experience, but also the evidence, hopefully. And a lot of from what I'll be drawing to um, today comes from specifically guidelines um, from the Australian Commission in Safety and Quality and Healthcare. Essentially, it's a low back pain clinical care standard. It's a huge like 60-page document on like how we should be looking at back pain from a primary care perspective or uh, you know a healthcare perspective. And so it's a really, really helpful document. We'll kind of work through that and kind of talk about my approach and things I do here and there and just kind of how I approach when someone comes in with an acute low back injury. What do we do from there? All right, first we're going to start with some epidemiology. You know, and about one in six people report some sort of low back pain, and it's the most common type of back pain. So low back pain is the most common when compared to you know neck or mid back. So low back is the most common, and odds are you know someone who has low back pain if you don't have it yourself. You know, it's super pervasive. Lots and lots of people have it. Fortunately, it's not that debilitating to most people. But that being said, it's still out there all the time. You see it everywhere you go, and so it's very very important to be familiar with it, even just as a, a regular athlete trying to hear yourself or as a healthcare provider. So it's actually the second most common cause for Australians to seek care from the primary doctor. And so that's a lot. And the reason why we care so much is because it costs a lot of money, you know, in terms of healthcare visits, recovery, all that stuff, um, and, and lost time at work. So it's, it's really a big, almost like a global health thing in terms of a population health risk. You know, people are missing work. So we're losing work productivity. People are, you know, going to the doctor. So it's costing us healthcare dollars. So this is something that is pervasive and really, really common. So we want to get on top of that. And about, you know, one quarter of people who initially recover will have some sort of episode later in within a year. And so that's just to, not to like be a bummer and like say, oh man, what the heck, I'm gonna have a recurrence, but just so you can have an understanding of this frame. So, you know, about a quarter of people who have an injury will have about a setback, you know, another one within the year. That being said, that's still 75% of people who will not, but it's just, I want to let you know that this is something that can happen and can happen again. And you shouldn't be, you know, super worried about it. You shouldn't be, you know, terrified of this back pain, but I just want to have a realistic expectation that occasionally we get it and then you have another flare. And at the end of the day though, there's only a small number of people who were, where the acute low back injury becomes a chronic problem. And so, um, we try to avoid that. And we think that, you know, there's a couple ways we can hopefully frame it and approach it so that doesn't happen. But, um, we try to, you know, stop it before it happens. Cause if you do become have chronic back pain, if it becomes a chronic problem for you, it's usually a lot harder to treat. And so we're going to try to avoid that by everything that we do here and talk about to try to avoid having chronic back pain because that, that becomes a little bit trickier. First, let's talk about some definitions as well. So low back pain in this document is described as pain between the lower ribs and the buttock creases, but can also have pain in one or both legs. So kind of broad, we think about that whole lower back area, that's the quote unquote low back, but but can also have pain into one or both legs. And so usually it's pain that doesn't have a specific diagnosed cause. You know, some terms we use for it are nonspecific or nonspecified, mechanical or musculoskeletal back pain. All those terms are kind of interchangeable saying, hey, in that like general back area, that's where we're having this pain. Essentially, we use these terms because we're not exactly sure what it's caused by. You know, there's kind of things we'll talk about here, but it's really, really hard to pinpoint and say, this is the reason that you're having this back pain. Some people will like 
you know, like you to believe that. And, and sometimes maybe it is that instance, maybe that is the case, but a lot of times it's much more complex from that. And so it's hard to say definitively this caused that. And so we kind of use those terms like musculoskeletal, nonspecific to say, hey, we've got some back pain, but the good news is it doesn't really matter what the definitive causes is, you know, the way we think about it and treat it is really all the same. So let's say you've hurt your back, right? The question everyone has is like, how long is this going to take? You know, I like starting with this because it kind of gives people a an idea of what recovery is going to look like and you know what it's going to look like for them. So most people will rapidly improve within six weeks if they present early enough to healthcare setting or if they have these skills to like self manage on their own. And so I like to say six weeks is kind of a general ballpark where hey, we should be getting better by then. Um, you know, what I am saying is it's not six hours, it's not six days. I say we give things in the scale of weeks. Usually rehab takes a lot longer. Than people want and I, I mean myself included if I tweak something it's always like okay hopefully it's better in a couple days but like really we have to step back and kind of think about okay this is a scale of weeks when I counsel my patients I always say hey you know this is not something that's going to get better in days this is a week thing just so you have that perspective because it's such a huge difference when you go into something say hey you know I'll be back in three days boom boom baby let's go I'm fine but you think that and then all of a sudden it's still week three and you're like what the heck then you know you might be worrying about is this is this some, what's going on is something wrong with me whereas we set expectations that hey this can take like up to six weeks for a even quote-unquote normal you know acute back pain flare, then it kind of gives us a nice uh, sigh of relief. Like, okay, like I'm still within the normal time frame. You know, kind of what we think about is, you know, the first two weeks are usually the initial, initial management and, re- and assessment. So either getting in and seeing somebody or you're, you're doing some self-mitigation strategies, but the first two weeks are kind of there. You know, a lot of times if you do see someone early, they'll have you come back in two to six more weeks to kind of see how things are going. And then, you know, if we're, we're at that six week period and we're not having any improvement, then that's when we start thinking about referral. Usually referral will happen in about the six to 12 week period if we're not getting where we want to go. Like I said, this is average. So everyone's going to be different. Some people, it will be five days and they're like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm back. Let's go. Other people, it may take longer you know you can still have a normal recovery in eight weeks 12 weeks that can happen um but it's just we're not getting there in the six to 12 we just start to scratch our head and think okay is there something we're missing is there additional resources that we can kind of pull in and help with so just something to think about there and like i said you can still have improvement after those six weeks but a lot of times it just takes a little bit slower and like i said but the vast majority of people regardless are going to have minimal pain and disability one year later if they present early so that's why our biggest thing is we try to get early just so we can learn these strategies we can get help and then by you know in one year from down the line that we're not having this issue okay a super important topic to talk about is like when should i be worried about my back pain it's super easy for me on this side of the camera to say like oh it's it's probably nothing it's probably fine just because the vast majority of things that i see are fine but that being said to you it's different you're experiencing this pain maybe you've had it before maybe you haven't had it before and it can be debilitating it can like knock people you know off their feet and they go, oh it's such it's such a bad pain but you know so for them it's like seems like the worst thing in the world whereas at the end of the day i see that quite frequently and i can have the perspective to say hey i can reassure you things look okay um, but that being said I do want to go over some things that we look for to make it, you know, help you decide is this serious. But first of all, don't panic. Odds are very small that it's something serious. You know, in terms of like 95 plus percent of times, this is something benign, benign meaning nothing that requires intervention or super serious. And most of the time it's going to run into normal course. Second of all, this doesn't constitute formal medical advice that I'm giving you, just kind of education on the topic so that if you have questions, um, you should be able to reach out, you know, with a better informed perspective. But like I said, if there are any questions, this is not medical advice. Go talk to a medical professional. But I'm just going to kind of run through some concerning features for back pain. So like I said, most of the time we're going to have this back pain we talked about. They're kind of non-specific, quote unquote. Um, but these are things that if you're having these, these are things we reason like you need to go talk with someone. Um, you know, first things first, if you're having back pain with fevers and that that seems to be the cause of it and they're kind of correlated, that's definitely something we need to worry about. We worry about some sort of back infection or general generalized infection we want to get that checked out if you're on immunosuppression whether that's chemotherapy or other immunosuppression drugs back pain can always be different and can weird things can happen weird infections can happen so that's something we want to keep an eye on if you have elevated inflammatory markers like 
ESR or CRP. If those are elevated, sometimes that can mean some other signs of infection or something else going on. Um, trauma is something we think about. So if you like fell on your back off of like, you know, six, you fell off my house onto the, you know, on the cement and on my back and I have pain. Okay. That's a trauma. And that's not something that we just sit on. We got to get it checked out, go get some x-rays, all that. But trauma is not, we're not talking about trauma today. So, and I want to specify too, trauma does not mean, you know, I was squatting or lunging and I had back pain. That is not trauma. Um, you know, cause I said, that doesn't mean it necessarily, nothing bad happened, but trauma is like a forceful hit with it, you know, a fall or a you know, car accident, something like that. Like trauma is like a big deal. Additionally, if you have a history of cancer, we always want to get back pain checked out just because we always worry about, you know, metastases going from somewhere to the back and that can be causing the back pain. If you're having weight loss, same thing. We worry about like cancer there. If you're having pain at rest, you know, obviously you might have some pain at rest. That's okay in terms of just sitting there, but if it's like getting worse or it's like you get no rest, you know, when you're not moving most of the time, non-specific back pain, when you kind of get off your legs or kind of relax, you feel better. And if that's not happening at all, that's another reason to get checked out. Another thing is if your vital signs are abnormal, like your heart rate is through the roof or your blood pressure is low, things like that, we always want to get checked out. If you have abdominal pain, like stomach aches, that's not normal with back pain, we want to get that checked as well. And some other big things we talk about here, if you're having like bilateral leg pain, meaning like going all the way down your legs, you're losing control of your bowel or bladder. So if you have incontinence, either urinary or fecal incontinence, that is never normal. We want to get that checked out, obviously. And then additionally, changes in sensation in like the perineum or your saddle area. So if you think of like a saddle where you sit on a saddle, if you're like losing sensation, then that's something you'd always want to get checked out. And finally, if we're having progressive foot or leg weakness, meaning it's getting worse, our reflexes have changed, um, we can't walk, all those things, you know, the things that sound scary are things we should get checked out. At the end of the day, if any of these things you had, we definitely want to, you know, to go in and get checked out because they could be something, you know, more serious things like neurologic conditions, infections, cancer, fractures, all these things that we don't just want to self-manage. We want to have someone to help manage us with that. Um, additionally, just something worth mentioning is if you're younger than the age of 40, um, there's a specific type of back pain you look for. It's called inflammatory back pain. So if you're like younger in the you know 30s-ish area and you have pain that's worse in the morning, it's been going on for about three months, so it's insidious, it's not acute onset. You know, let's say you have maybe morning stiffness that gets better with exercise, maybe better with ibuprofen or NSAIDs. All these things kind of trigger things in our mind and think, hey, this might be something called axial spondylar arthropathies and so, or ankylosing spondylitis, kind of things like that. So like I said, these are lots of big terms, but like all those things that I described, like those are the, hey, um, if these are going on, we might want to get checked out. But if like none of those things apply to you, then awesome. Let's keep removing and we're going to figure out what's going on. Okay, so at the initial injury, what we're talking about here is an acute injury, meaning this isn't something you've had for like months and months and months, and it's kind of gotten worse. So this is like, hey, I had you know an event of back pain. First thing first, don't panic. Once again, don't panic. Your body is strong and resilient, and this is just going to be a small speed bump down the road. Like I said, in we're talking weeks or months, like you're going to look back and like, oh yeah, I had that thing and I dealt with it. Like we're going to get through this, but I know it feels like the end of the world right now. But like I said, I promise you, for the vast majority of people, in a few weeks, it's just going to be a blip on your radar. And so first things first, like we talked about, we had this injury, go back to the previous section I just talked about and say, make sure there's nothing serious going on. Like I just talked about, we want to make sure we rule out big, bad, scary stuff. But if there's no red flags, then the first thing we can do is just like let things calm down in that moment. And I say calm down because I can't tell you how many times people try to push through a back tweak. And it's honestly probably never worth it. So we need to pull back, you know, stop with the intensity or stop the aggravating activity altogether so you can live to fight another day. Like I said, anecdotally, I see patients all the time and try to push through um, and they, you know, it tends to prolong the recovery. So like, we just want to avoid that. Like I said, if you're squatting or you're lunging or whatever, and you feel a tweak and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. It's almost always better to just scale back and live to fight another day. Like I can't tell you how many times I've never met someone who's like, yeah, I tweaked my back and I did two more sets. And like, that was perfect. That was great. You no, know, usually it's the opposite. Like I tweaked my back and then I did another set and got it worse. So like I said, for our lifelong athletes here, what we're looking for 
we want to be good not only today, we want to be healthy next week, the month after, a year after. So that's kind of our time frame here. Obviously, if you're like a in a competition or you're prepping for a competition, or something that the calculus changes there a little bit. But even then, man, the vast majority of the time, it, you're going to do much better if you kind of pull back. Don't exacerbate injury and then live to fight another day and get, get back on training the next day or, you know, in a couple of days. So like I said, that's the big thing. Like listen to your body as you age as an athlete. It's super, super important to say, hey, if something doesn't feel right, listen to that, understand that, and then kind of go from there and pull back as needed. In this acute phase, we can also think about things like ibuprofen or acetaminophen for pain if needed. But like I said, hopefully you can use these for a couple of days, nothing uh, too too crazy. But really what we want to do is we want to take these medications to kind of help us continue to move. Like I said, the number one takeaway, if you take away one thing from this podcast, it's like I do not want you to just sit and lay on the couch or lay in bed all day. Like I said, we might need to take breaks from what we're doing. We might not be able to do the normal level of activity we're used to, but like just sitting down all day every day is not ideal. Obviously, if you just had the injury, it's okay to go take a little break and get your, you know, take a, a load off your legs and kind of calm things down. But like, I do not want like prolonged bed rest or couch rest. It's super important to, you know, try to get up on your feet, move around, do some sort of activity. And sometimes taking ibuprofen or Tylenol can be helpful to get that going. Um, but like I said, I want you to be able to do whatever you can. And if it's just a tweak, you can still move around it as you're able. I always say, try to avoid pain provoking activities, but like you can do activities that you feel okay with. Like if you were squatting and you're like, Ooh, that hurts. And it hurts when I squat, but like walking is okay for you. Like, man, you can walk, you can do gentle yoga. There's things we'll talk about here, but I want you to keep moving. That's super, super important. And so after this injury, like we talked about, had the injury and I want you to keep moving as much as possible. Like it's super critical. You have to move the earlier move. Also, the better you're going to do long-term. So, and what you're doing may not look like anything you're, you're normally used to doing, like I said, but any movement is still better than sitting around, you know, some possibility to think about if, if we're just kind of having some back pain and a lot of things are aggravating it, think about like really scaling it back to work. What's quote unquote easy exercise. So we're doing some light walking, biking, gentle swimming, or honestly just messing around in the pool, stretching yoga or really anything that you can tolerate. Once again, there's no specific exercise that's going to magically fix your back pain. I know there's people you'll see on social media who want to make you believe that there's, you know, specific exercises or stretches or strengthening things that will be beneficial for everybody. Um, but that's just not the case. It doesn't seem like, like I said, there might be, those things might be helpful for you and it's worth a shot to try them. I don't have any problem with like specific protocols or activities, but I just want to let you know that if you, like I said, if you'll say you're a runner and all of a sudden they're like, oh, you need to do these strength-based things. And you're just like, I hate that, but I, I want to try a different cardio thing. Like that's okay. You do what you enjoy. And really, like I said, like anything else, adherence is the number one thing. I just want you to be active. So if it's, you know, a different type of lifting, lighter weights, yoga, stretching, whatever, find something that works for you and feels good for you and is not provoking a ton of pain and keep going for that. I just want you to just, you know, try to stay physically active, try to meet our physical activity recommendations, you know, get in the aerobic and resistance training if need be. But like I said, we just might need to modify on top of that, understanding that I can't do either the range of motion I want, the you know, length I want, the reps I want, whatever it is, some movement is better than nothing. So on top of movement, I also want to recommend that we are trying to get good quality sleep as lack of sleep can have a big impact on pain. Um, you know, so just trying to stay active, sleeping, and still trying to do your daily stuff, you know, activities of daily living and go to work if at all possible. They've kind of seen that the earlier you get back to work, the better outcomes people have. And so it's not ideal when you're saying, oh, look, well, I can't work because of this, or I don't want to work. You know, obviously if you have a physically demanding job, you got to do what you got to do. And if you can't physically do it, then that might, you know, involve you missing some time off of work. But the earlier we get back to work and doing our daily stuff, that's going to be super important. 
And once you start to improve and you're feeling a little bit better after this back tweak, the key is to gradually increase your activity back to what you've done before. You know, like I said, expect slower than expected results, but as long as we're moving forward, then it's all good. You know, like I said, I, I kind of sit back with that six week idea saying, hey, you know, we're gonna go up and increase gently, gently from there. Like I said, we're not gonna take two days off and like boom, going right back to where we wanna be. You know, if we had a big tweak, a significant tweak that took us, you know, out of the game for a little bit, it's gonna take time to ramp things back up. And that's, that's probably sound like a broken record for me because I say that all the time, but that's super important is ramping things up for injury prevention and uh, rehab, or in this case, you know, rehab from a low back pain. And like I mentioned, six weeks is kind of that general target. And for most people, that sounds super, like, like super long time. It's a lot longer than expected. And you might be earlier than that, that's fine. But I kind of give this six weeks to say, hey, this is like a time frame that's very reasonable. You know, when people are at two weeks and they're saying, oh my gosh, I'm still in pain. Like what's going on? When you tell them six weeks or you understand as an athlete, you say, hey, six weeks is reasonable. Then you get reassured saying, okay, like it's it's not as as, as bad as I thought. I like, still have some time. We're good to go. So um, just like I said, just thinking about that understanding can take a lot longer. And the key is also trying to maintain a positive attitude. We'll kind of talk about um, psychological stuff in the next section here, but maintaining a positive attitude will be helpful. Um, and on top of that, when I'm talking about all these things that we're doing and activities, I also try to have active management strategy versus passive. Active means you're doing something yourself, whereas passive means someone else is doing it for you. A uh, common example for this is, you know, active is you're doing exercise, you're doing self-guided yoga, you're doing stretches, you're doing you know, cardiovascular training, resistance training, like that's you putting in the work. Whereas passive is someone doing it for you, whether a physical therapist or a chiropractor is stretching you or adjusting you. Like I said, those tend to rely on someone else. And I don't recommend passive things because at the end of the day, I want to empower you that this is on, you know, you can manage this on your own and that you you have the power to move your body and that it's safe to move again during this injury recovery. You know, a lot of times when passive stuff, people are, you know, quote unquote, like being guided by someone and they feel comfortable there. But when it's up to them to like remove again, well, they're kind of afraid of doing that. Whereas if you've been moving the whole time, you're continually and constantly showing your body, Hey, I can do this. I'm, I can move. I'm not fragile. I'm okay with that. So for me, it's all the active things. I'm not saying no passive things. I know sometimes massage or adjustments or whatever can feel good and that's fine, but it's not something that we should continually going back to like, like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are getting therapy, whether it's, you know, dry needling or adjustments. And like I said, they all have their place but when they just keep coming back week after week after week, say, Hey, I need to come back, do this twice a week. Like that's not long. That's not ideal. That's not long-term what we're looking for. We want to build, you know, the capacity in you and the confidence in you to say, Hey, you can take control of this. Like you can move, you can be strong, your body's resilient. And so put it on you to be active. And so that's, that's a really big thing that I always talk about is trying to get you to do active movements and not passive movements. And so let's say we're going through this recovery process and you feel some flares of pain. You know, what do you, what do I do with that? You might be the question. So first of all, I want to let you know that pain exacerbations are completely normal and almost to be expected. You know, you're going to have good days and bad days. I give my analogy to patients all the time that recovery from anything, any sort of injury is kind of like the stock market. You know, we look for trends, you know, on the stock market, you have good days, you have really bad days, but there's a general trend line, right? And if our trend line is heading the right direction, that's really all I care about. And it's tough because when you're in it, like you have this understanding, like, oh my gosh, this is a bad day. I'm in so much pain. It's hard for you to step back and say, okay, well, where was I two weeks ago? That's why it's sometimes helpful to have someone guide you because most of us are really bad at long-term thinking. And we say, oh gosh, it's not getting better. Um, but if you had someone say, well, actually remember like two weeks ago when we were working and you couldn't do X, Y, and Z, and now you can do that and you just have a little bit of pain. Like it's, oh yeah, I, I am getting better. And sometimes it's nice to have someone kind of help guide you and remind you that, hey, like we're actually improving there. So that can be very, very beneficial. Um, it's usually my recommendation is if someone feels like they're stalling out on their own, I would say, hey, get this checked out by someone um, just because um, a lot of times having a a different opinion, a third party person, uh, uh, you know, can, can kind of give them guidance into what, what's going wrong or how we can adjust it. And so that's usually helpful there. 
Also, I want to let you know that a pain exacerbation does not mean that there's actually damage being caused from that. I know that's a very common thought from some people, but pain is much, much more complex than that. Um, and so if we're having pain, that doesn't necessarily mean something bad going on. But however, if you develop, you know, way worsening signs or any of the red flags that have been talked about, obviously that's something that we need to talk with a professional about. But if you're having kind of some pain exacerbations, you know, that's okay. And pain doesn't necessarily mean that anything structurally bad is happening. Next, I want to talk about the power of the mind for a little bit. Clinicians these days should be using something called a biopsychosocial approach for pain instead of the old biomedical approach. You know, some people will still be using the biomedical approach, but essentially what the biomedical approach is that pain must be coming from a specific site slash pathology or finding on imaging. You know, obviously there are cases where, yes, you have a, a fracture there. Like that is, that's coming from there. That's the pain. Or, you know, you did tear your ACL. Like that's where we're having the issue from like that. I'm not saying that's completely wrong, but that's why it's a part of it, right? We have bio, that was the biomedical model. Now we have the bio cycle social model. And so we kind of incorporate multiple things. I think the reason we moved away from the biomedical model is that we've found out that we were having lots and lots of people. We'd get, you know, MRIs and we have studies that they'd get MRIs and they have no pain whatsoever. So it's just a random person getting MRI, no pain. They have lots of things like quote unquote, disdegeneration or quote unquote, bulging discs. And so, but they had no pain, right? And so we know that pain is much more complicated than just what we find in imaging. If we had people with no pain and we had these findings that people, you know, other people get who are in pain, then it doesn't necessarily mean that that's causing it. Once again, it's not the only thing that could be causing, could be contributing to it. But that being said, we can't just, just definitively say like that has to be the reason, you know, also, we also find that psychosocial factors, um, also can, can play, can play into recovery. So like I said, biopsychosocial, there's things socially and psychologically that are affecting recovery. You know, we consider the anatomy and the biology, the psychosocial, you know, all these different things that we're having all kind of comes together to figure out, you know, what's causing this pain and what's making this pain or recovery worse. There's lots of different factors that can be involved with a delayed recovery. You know, one thing we talk about is lack of sleep. You know, most people, when you don't sleep well, you kind of feel aches and pains and feel like garbage, you know? So that is one thing socially or, you know, psychosocially that can play into this as well. Additional factors that people talk about and can have influence on how recover is like the beliefs of pain and, or, or how you perceive that pain and activity, right? Some people think that like, oh, the pain is hurting me or moving is going to be harmful for me. Like those are actually really um, not great habits to have or thoughts to have because that can actually delay our recovery. You know, some people feel like they need to have extended rest you know like i need a baby once again we find with people with that attitude they tend to have a longer recovery additionally if you have concurrent issues with like anxiety depression or low mood that can also inhib inhibit recovery which kind of makes sense um additionally also some people who perseverate saying i need to get get this sort of imaging like x-ray mri i need to be on this medications whatever like those can also lead to longer recovery uh, people who've had back pain before or previously had missed work that can be an issue people with actual financial hardship can have a longer recovery or, or if you're having troubles at work or lack of social support can all all I'll lead to prolonged recovery. So as you can see, lots and lots of things are out of control, but I just want you to recognize that having a support system and being resilient is super helpful, not only for life, but I respond to pain. And so I just, once again, it's, you see all these things that can play into pain. So pain is not just like, Hey, what should my x-ray showing pain is, you know, maybe what my x-ray is showing or MRI is showing, but also like, how is my sleep? How are my social relationships? How's my work? How is my work-life balance? How's my stress? I mean, there's all these things that contribute. And so if, if one part of your life is way off base, that can be affecting how you perceive pain and how you recover. So it's just super important to know that it's not as easy as a lot of people make it sound that like, oh, this mechanically, this mechanical thing went wrong. And so therefore that's why you have a pain. Uh, it's much more nuanced than that. And we should treat it like that. Okay. So next question maybe is, well, I'm trying to do this, Jordan. I'm trying to manage it, but it's not recovering like I, I want to. What do I do? 
Well, if it's been more than six weeks, it's definitely worth getting checked in by a health professional. You know, I said, or maybe benefit from something like more targeted physical therapy or hands-on or talking with a psychologist potentially. And now when I say talk with a psychologist, I am not saying, hey, it's all in your head. Um, but it's actually been shown that psychological therapy or things like mindfulness or stress reduction may actually be helpful in allowing you to kind of understand the pain better and understand the recovery process better and kind of help you reframe expectations. So like I said, it's in the Australian documents that they said, like getting someone into who had high risk factors, like if they had lots of psychosocial risk factors, they'd try to get them into, you know, physical therapy, but then also uh, psychological therapy early as possible because they found they had better outcomes. And so as you know, we're maybe not getting there as fast as we want. The question is, do we need an x-ray or MRI? You know, that's always the million dollar question. The answer is most likely not. Uh, however, there are a few caveats. Obviously, if you show any of the red flag symptoms I talked about earlier in the podcast, then you're probably going to qualify for some sort of imaging. Um, but with this, like I said, we always have to understand this should be in conjunction with your health healthcare provider so you can kind of interpret the imaging. Um, but most likely you're not going to need imaging. The reason is because most likely it's not going to change a thing. Like I said, there's, like I mentioned before, there's lots of studies showing disc bulges in people and then they rescan them in a few months and the bulge has re regressed. And so they didn't need an intervention to kind of manage it and kind of heal on its own. Or you'll see disc bulges in people who have no pain whatsoever. And so we're not entirely sure, you know, what to make of that. So normally, unless there are red flags, imaging isn't needed as it's costly. You know, obviously it costs something to go get an x-ray or specifically an MRI. And then probably not going to add anything to the treatment plan. So you're just like paying for us to say, okay, yeah, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. You know, most most of the time without red flags, I say, let's just keep an eye on it. If it's getting real bad, then we can obviously consider things. But like if I get an MRI and it shows me those quote degenerative changes or, you know, normal age related changes, what I'm going to say is, okay, cool. Like that doesn't change anything that we're going to do. I still want you to stick with the original plan. And so we wasted your time and money. And so usually we start with that. Next question is, do I need any pain meds? Well, like I said, the goal here is if we are taking any sort of medications to help you become more active rather than just completely stop your pain. You know, that's like the first thing I set expectations wise is like, hey, we just want to take it, you know, take it down a notch so we can be active. I'm also going to try to use the least amount possible and the shortest amount possible. So um, we've also found that lots of medications don't really work. Things like anticonvulsants, antidepressants um, aren't good options. And people always talk about opioids and they may have some improvement for like short term, but long term actually pro might prolong recovery. And so long story short, you're probably going to be fine with just ibuprofen or acetaminophen if you need anything um and if after everything you've tried and there's still no improvement then we kind of have to step back and probably gonna take a multimodal approach to this multimodal meaning getting multiple teams involved saying hey do we need to talk to physical therapy do we need to talk to psychology do we need to talk with pain manager who knows what um i think if it's you know we've tried lots of things it's been six to twelve weeks then it's reasonable to talk with either like i said pain management or back specialist um they usually are really good at getting these teams together and kind of a multidisciplinary approach kind of bring in expertise from different angles to kind of help you know give you all the resources that you might need to help erode recovery. I mentioned before a little bit about imaging, when to get imaging. I'm going to touch on that just a little bit more. You know, like I said, if there's no concerning symptoms for serious pathology, imaging usually isn't necessary and usually leads to unnecessary concernings and incidental findings. Um, you know, so for me, that's one big thing is incidental findings. You're going to take these images on x-ray, right? And they're going to show some age-related changes, how I call it, you know, like these normal things that you'll see, maybe some loss of height between the vertebrae, um, you know, kind of normal wear and tear, but it can be kind of scary for people to see that and they kind of catastrophize like, oh no, this must be causing my pain. When in reality, we've, like I said, seen lots and lots of x-rays with people with no back pain having the same findings. And so um, it leads to kind of confusion. Also, sometimes I've seen things where they find these things on x-ray, say this must be causing it. They have a surgery and it doesn't fix the pain at all. And so, like I said, it leads to more interventions sometimes. Um, so we have to be judicious with it. Obviously, though, there are times when imaging is indicated. Like I said, it's always indicated when there's alarming features. You know, obviously, if there's any concern for fracture, you have like a big trauma or fall, usually we get x-rays. Um, but if there's other things that's going on, like if we're concerned for disc compression or spinal cord compression, anything like that, MRI is usually indicated for that. Um, the vast majority of the images that we do, though, um, 
we do that in shows, you know, it doesn't show serious pathology. And like I said, how we frame this is really, really important and it can help change perspective. You know, big words like disc degeneration, facet joint arthritis, and disc bulges or protrusion are thrown around. But all these are typically kind of a normal part of aging. Like I said, for me, I'd say, hey, we got some normal age-related changes. And many people with no back pain are going to have these same MRI findings. And so we know the biomedical model here isn't going to fulfill everything. I'm not going to explain all of our pain. And so, because if we did have all these people with, you know, these quote unquote findings, all we expect all of them have pain, right? If that's where it's coming from, but we don't see that. And so, like I said, at the end of the day, I like to step back and say, Hey, the body has normal age related changes. This is what we're seeing. You know, it wouldn't change our plans and you know, it should continue to get better over time. You know, except patients, it's amazing how, when you, how you frame things can frame how they're going to recover. Um, and so it's super important for you as an, as an athlete too, if you understand that, just understanding that will be very, very helpful. If you say, Hey, I got some, you know, little findings here and there, that's like expected. If you've been a lifelong athlete or someone super active, like you're going to find those things and it's okay. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It doesn't necessarily mean that's where your pain's coming from. It can be helpful at times, but I just want to have you have that framework to say, Hey, you know, my images, like my pain and my experience is much more than just the images that I'm having. So like I said, I get an x-ray, I get an MRI. It says X, Y, Z, you know, it, that's all well and good. But like I said, we have to consider all the other psychosocial things that collaborate and kind of help with pain as well and kind of make us understand pain a lot better. And so that's kind of a long one here. You know, I kind of want to just circle up the wagons here and kind of summarize things. You know, I know back pain can be debilitating, like I said, but typically it's going to get better on its own. I really want you to understand that pain is complex and that most of the time you don't need imaging and that doesn't change our treatment plan at all. The plan that we talk about for acute low back pain is movement, movement, movement. You know, like I said, with this, we're going to do things that we can do. We're going to modify our activities as need to. And also what we're going to do on top of that is try to optimize our environmental stressors, you know, with sleep and slowly ramping up activity as again. So once again, we want to be moving. We're going to have to modify some of our activity, but we want to optimize our other psychosocial stressors as well, and then slowly bring up our activity to get back to pace. Also keeping a positive attitude and understanding that you are not fragile and that your body's going to heal. It can be super, super helpful as well. If you have any red flag symptoms like I talked about earlier, or your pain's not getting better over six to 12 weeks, then it's probably worth to reach out to somebody. But like I said, the vast majority of the time, this is just going to be a blip on your radar a couple weeks down the road. You're going to say, okay, yeah, I got that. I recovered from it and I did better. So like I said, I hope this framework was helpful for you to understand that like low back pain, it can be very tricky, but I want to encourage you to say, once again, you are resilient. Your body is strong. You can get through this. And most of the times it just takes a little bit of time and some, some effort on your part. So thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this, it would mean the world to me if you liked, subscribed, commented, or share with a friend. Thanks for watching. Now get off the internet, go be active, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.